Welcome everybody to Grace Community Church. It's so good to see everybody here this morning. Um, hopefully we have some of the, the audio issues taken care of in the middle room in the nursery. Uh, if not, we do have a little bit of room still in here, but uh, uh, send up a flare. We'll come running, help you guys out again. Um, this morning we're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 6. So turn, turn with me if you would. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 25, Matthew 6, 25, through the end of the chapter. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store foods in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come to your house and hear your word. Lord, I ask that you would be with Pastor Doug this morning as he preaches your word, and I ask that the Holy Spirit would use it to uh, convict our hearts, and I ask that you would uh, help us to water that seed that Pastor has thrown to us, and I ask that you help it to grow. Lord, I, I ask that you would be with each and every one of us in these pews. Even though we might be separated by a pew, Lord, it is so good to be together. Lord, it is so good to have a physical presence, to be able to fellowship in your house, Lord, I, I just thank you for this great opportunity. Lord, thank you so much for the music that we were able to sing today. I ask that it would have solidified our hearts and focused our minds on what you would have for us to hear today, Lord. Lord, I pray for each and every one of the members here who might be going through something at home. Lord, I ask that you would give them uh, just peace and, and clear thought, Lord, today. Be with each and every one of us as as we sit here, Lord, and hear your word, and let it be a blessing unto us. In your name I pray. Amen. Before we begin, I want to update you on a couple of things that we're trying our best to work through. Um, one of the things is upgrading our uh, internet access to a higher power so that some of the situations that we're experiencing right now, for instance, in the middle room, they're getting a lot of crackling, snap, crackle, pop. What's the matter, buddy? What you doing? The other thing we're working on is making sure that my son does not interrupt me. But he, he's trying to uh, uh, 
do his best to help with situations in the other room. And then apparently in the uh, fellowship hall, uh, what you're seeing is they're not seeing. So we're hoping that 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 goes well. Do you need my assistance, son? Thank you for calling me Pastor Doug anyway, but uh, (laughs) it's kind of weird that he's never called me that before. But uh, Okay, we should be should be up and going here. But anyway, the second thing, uh, another thing we're going to be doing is, is upgrading our video camera so that the ability to uh, have the camera work through Wi-Fi is going to be a big issue and, and a big help. And then we're going to also install on three different televisions a, a magic little stick. I, you guys, you know what I'm talking I got no clue. All I know is that during my lunchtime, I'm going to be able to watch movies. <laughs> no, it's going to be so that uh, accessible for uh, what we're experiencing that isn't working right now. So, how we doing, buddy? You okay? You think? Well, no one's waving back, so it's okay. No one's waving back. So, how we doing, Nolan? You don't know either. Good, good. That's that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that um, I need to do before I begin is I incorrectly quoted a, a verse of the scriptures last week, and it's been bothering me all week long. I wanted to mention Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and unfortunately, I mentioned Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. There's no way they're anywhere near each other. Their numbers don't even match. And I don't know how in the world, other than the fact that I'm 65 and I got a Social Security card to prove it, that I'm just losing cranial ability. So I apologize for that. I wanted to mention that that verse should have been 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Last week, I, I did an introduction to a new series. Last week, as the Second Chronicles chapter 15 closes off, it, it says these words. It says, But when they turned to the Lord God of Israel in their distress and sought him, he was found by them. The question is, is how do you do that? How is it that as individuals and, yes, even as a nation, how is it do we accomplish that, turning back to God? And some people are saying that the United States right now is in a condition of a sinking ship, so why are we polishing the brass? And a good question is this, a good response to that is, yeah, we're, we're all going to die, so why are we out there running or eating differently? There's still things we need to take care of. And, and God is the God of hope. And it may not look like something that can be ascertained or, or even something that can be adopted, but yet still, the trumpet hasn't blown yet. The Lord God has not said, come home yet. We're still here. 
And so I want to do a, begin an introduction of a new series today entitled One Life Under God. How do we accomplish what the writer of 2 Chronicles chapter 15 says that they sought after God? How, how do we do that? What do we need to do in order to have that accomplished? Now, what's really kind of neat, seeing that Pastor Steve restarted Facebook, I got a lot longer time I can preach now. Because Facebook only allows me for an hour, and then it shuts down. So he started it just about 10 minutes ago, so I've got till 20 after 10. Amen? Well, we trust we won't take that long, because this is part one of part two. I was gearing more for the fact that at the very beginning I only had an hour. And so I, I divided it, this particular speech, this particular message, into two parts. What's interesting about the passage that Pastor Steve read for you this morning, and by the way, I don't ever remember calling him Pastor Steve either. It's always been buddy or son or something like that. But anyway, he's Pastor Steve on Sunday mornings. The rest of the week, it's hey you. But the passage that was read this morning is interesting from the fact that it falls in between or in the middle of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's introduced in the closing verses of chapter 4. Because chapter 5, 6, and 7, it's the longest sermon that Jesus ever preached as he was on this earth. But it's introduced by an interesting statement in chapter 4 because as Jesus is in the region of Galilee, which is in the northern region, region of Nazareth and Capernaum, it's where the Sea of Galilee is, Jesus is doing preaching in all the synagogues. Individuals are bringing to him all of their wounded, all of their sick. He's ministering, and and then he recognizes something interesting. The crowd is getting overbearing, and so he says to his disciples, let's go to a mountain. And in chapter 5, in verse 1, Jesus, as he begins to teach, he is laying out for his disciples kingdom principles. The word kingdom in the book of Matthew appears 44 times. So it is a book about the kingdom of God. Not just the kingdom of God and glory, but the kingdom of God lived out here on this earth. And as Jesus begins to teach his disciples, we come to this part In chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. And yes, the central theme is about worry. Why are you worrying? Jesus says. What was happening is that if you go back and you begin reading chapter 5, 6, and 7, it's a great read. You put it all in context. What Jesus was highlighting is that there is a spiritual undermining, if you will, of physical activities. The individuals are concerned about what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Those things are important, believe me. 
And the one thing you have to meet, you have to realize is that Jesus is not telling them not to work. He's not telling them not to do things that they need to do. What he is telling them is don't worry about that which you cannot control. Things of life take from us our livelihood. Situations of our nation are faced with individuals who are going bankrupt based upon decisions that have been made that they can't control. Whether you agree with them or not, that's not the issue. The issue is is that there are times that you can't control things, and Jesus is focusing in not on the physical. He's focusing in on the spiritual. Because you can have all those things, and if you miss out on the spiritual side, then you have nothing. Someone once said, you can live life without Jesus, but you can't die without him. You can live life without Jesus and get along pretty well, but you can't die without him. And so Jesus in this passage is focusing in on, I believe, the first step of coming back, if you will, or acknowledging coming to back to God. And it is in verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. I've taken that verse and I have divided it by phrase to hopefully help you understand what Jesus was getting at. I've divided it into five different phrases. And in hopes that as we look at those, it'll become clearer to what Jesus is talking about. The first one is this that I've highlighted. It's that the word seek. When we see the word seek, what it really means is an intense determination. An intense determination. It's like a young boy who wanted a bicycle for his birthday. And he figured the best way to get his bicycle was to ask Jesus for it. And so he began to watch religious programs on TV, specifically focusing in on how they prayed. He watched this one particular program. He went up to his room and got on his knees and he began to pray, Oh, most holy Lord God Almighty, the creator and the sustainer of all that there is. It is not beyond your power to grant me this wish by your will for your glory. I ask that you would give me a bicycle for my birthday. And I stand upon your perfect will that whatever you determine the color should be or the size of it, I will be of most pleased. In the name of the magnificence of our God, I pray these things. Amen. After he prayed, he got in bed. 
And he woke up the next morning, there was no bike. He watched another program. That night, he went to his room, got on his knees, and he said, Jesus, I believe that it is my determination to have a bike. I want a blue one with white walls, 26-inch bike, and I determine and I stand firm upon my faith that it will be produced. And he climbs in bed. Next morning he gets up, there's no bike. His mom, checking in on him periodically, she heard these prayers and she was able to locate a small statue of the Virgin Mary. The young boy took that statue and ran to the woods. Returned home without the statue. The mother, not really thinking anything really happened, was intent on hearing the prayer that night. The little boy got on his knees that night and he said, Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again, that's intense determination. It's the kind of intense determination that Jesus highlights in his word when he says it's the same determination that a woman lost a gold ring that was very precious to her. And she didn't cease until she found it. It's the same intense determination that a shepherd would leave 99 to go find the one that had wandered away. Wasn't coming back until that one lost sheep was found. It's the same determination that is described for us in Matthew 13, verse 45, when a landowner buys a land and he finds precious pearls in there. And he doesn't stop searching the whole rest of the land to see if there's more. Jesus says, seek, seek. It's an intense determination that is not put aside by the worries of this world. It doesn't cease until the accomplishment has been met. It's not about physical things. Because the term seek is referring to a spiritual action to gain something of God. It's not something that we highlight in the gaining of worldly goods. It's an intense determination to capture something of God that we've never seen before. Something that changes us to where we no longer focus on the physical but we long for the spiritual. Seek. Let me ask you a question if I may. What are you seeking for? I want to invite you just quickly to another passage, Deuteronomy chapter 4. Turn there, please. These are the words of Moses to the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Verse 
It might be a book you might have to dust off a little bit when you get there. But Deuteronomy chapter 4. I want to pick up the text at verse 25. Moses is giving instructions to the children of Israel before they get to the promised land. It says, when you beget children and grandchildren and have grown old in the land and act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke his anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will soon utterly perish from the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it, but will be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples and you'll be left in number, you'll be few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you And there you will serve God, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. But from there, you will seek the Lord your God. And you will find him if you seek him with all your heart. And with all your soul. And when you are in distress. And these things come upon you in the latter days. When you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not forsake you. Nor destroy you. Nor forget the covenant of your fathers. Which he swore to them. Seek. In that context, a storm. Moses predicted a storm. And many years later, that storm came to fruition, for they were removed from the land and taken by the Babylonians to a foreign land. But it was there that they cried out to God. They sought his face. Seek. The first word is seek. The second word is ye. Ye. Ye is in reference to an inescapable personalization. An inescapable personalization. In other words, no one can do it for you. You have to do it yourself. It's a choice. It's a choice that carries with it eternal consequences. Ye. Reminds me so many times of when little children, as they're growing up and you're trying to help them tie their shoes, and they say, I can do it, until they can't, and then they come to you and say, you do it. That's why the Lord laid it on the heart of someone to invent Velcro. Are 
I thought I'd get a better reaction from it than that, but that's the way it goes this morning. Seek ye. No one can do it for you. Jesus is laying it out as clearly as he can to his disciples and even to us this morning. Spiritual things are not gained. They are not garnered in the shadow or even the coattails of our parents. It's something that we must all find and do ourselves. Seek ye. We live in a society today. It's not difficult to figure out. We live in a society today that wants individuals to do things for them. In fact, they blame other people when things don't go well. It's not my fault. Let me share with you just a a little bit of a story, of a personal story of my life. I was born into a family that was broken. I have no recollection of my biological father whatsoever. He never showed up for my birthdays. He was never there for Christmases. He never sat at a kitchen table. We never had a discussion. I never know. I never knew him. I have no idea what he looked like. But I had a mother. A mother who cared enough to teach me that even younger people than I, I still say, yes, ma'am, or yes, sir. I I was equipped by a mother, not for excuses. I was equipped to make something of my life. Now, I did not anticipate that when I was growing up in Richfield Springs, New York, none of you know where that is, only a couple that are sitting here, they know where that is. I had no idea that I would be standing in the back of a pulpit in Herndon, Pennsylvania. But God determined. And he gave me an opportunity, not based upon how I was raised or excuses of why I was or was not raised properly. My mother could not answer for me. It had to be my decision and mine alone. And I remember it well that in Mohawk, New York, which is just a little bit south of Richfield Springs, you don't have any idea where that is either, that it was in a 12 by 60 trailer on a very hot day in the summer that someone that cared enough about me presented the gospel to me. And it was there that I trusted Christ. Couldn't do it for me. My wife couldn't do it for me. She thought I was already saved. I had everybody fooled. But it was at that afternoon, before I went to work at Remington Arms University, yes, I shot guns all night long. All of you that think it's so great to hunt, 
I've shot more rounds of ammunition than you'll ever see in your life. And to me, it's no big deal. Not that I'm against hunting. I'm going off track here. I'm not against hunting at all. But it was in that university where God began to get a hold of my life. Seek ye, ye alone. I was faced with a choice to make. As you are this day. Don't get caught up in all the peripherals. Don't get caught up in all the frills. This morning I was serenaded as I walked down this morning to the office of an orchestra of birds singing. And giving praise to the one that the text says feeds them. I've had the privilege, as you have too, of seeing mountainsides and hillsides covered in an array of beauty that Solomon's would all pale. The Lord has given us enough to drink. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, don't get caught up in those things because those things come and go. But what you need to do is seek ye. The next word is first. It's a priority. First. Last week I made mention of the fact that you can take this word and you can try to douse it in all you want in the things of this world and what you'll come up with is a weakened word. Jesus is saying there's something that you have to do first. Seek ye first. The word of God is full of the word of first. In Proverbs chapter 3, it says that we are to bring to the Lord some of the fruits of our first harvests. Jesus is called in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, the preeminence of all that there is because he is of the first Born of many. He's first. In Revelation chapter 2, we are introduced to a church at Ephesus that Jesus said to them, You have left your first love. The word is full of firsts. And Jesus is saying to his disciples and to us this morning here at Grace Community Church, and maybe over many, many uh, computer screens of Facebook, that there is a priority that we have to stick to. And Jesus is first. For your information, let me give you five priorities and the list that they need to be and need to remain. First is God. Second is family. Third is ministry. Fourth is work. And fifth is fun. Get any one of those out of their priority list. And you lose focus to what Jesus is talking about. In Matthew chapter 6. 
You can't put fun ahead of work. And too often we put fun ahead of God. You see, going back to normal, which everybody wants to do, I'm afraid we'll start putting God last again as a nation. It doesn't work that way. You want to defeat worry and seek ye first. First. The qualifying of what it is we're supposed to seek is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What's interesting about the kingdom, it's this, is that kingdom means God's authoritative rule along with the visible demonstration of it in every area of life. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom in the book of Matthew, he's referring to heaven rules lived out on days of earth. Living, if you will, as if we're already there. Being exhibits of who Jesus Christ really is on this earth. When we seek God's kingdom, it's his authoritative rule. As I said a few weeks ago, God is in charge. And we need to live as if we know that. But his righteousness is this. Righteousness is the standard God requires for people to be rightly related to him and to live in a way that is pleasing. To him. It is God's characteristic righteousness. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? No. No, we're not. Because even the best sunrise and sunset is still hampered by the curse of sin. Even the most beautiful flower and the most fragrance of it is still hampered by sin. I can't imagine what the Wellington Farm flowers would really smell like if it wasn't for sin. I can't imagine the most beautiful, picturesque painting on the side of a mountain during the months of the fall. How beautiful that would be if it wasn't for sin. But we are to live in such a way that we rise above sin. It doesn't become our controlling factor. It doesn't, sin does not become our determination. It is to be the kingdom of God and his righteousness is our immense foundation. It's that which we stand upon. And I finish in the original hour that I had with this last point. It is this. And all these things will be added unto you. 
all these things. In other words, we have an inherited proclamation. It is a promise of God. And someone rightly wrote, as they said these words, when you know God and make him first in your life, you don't need to worry about all the other stuff. It is an inherited proclamation. Verse 34 of Matthew 6 has an interesting statement where it says, Therefore, seeing that God is in control of all things, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about his own things sufficient for the day is trouble. Is its, is its own trouble. Most people are being crucified between two thieves. Yesterday and tomorrow. They steal us. They steal our joy. Do you all realize that today was yesterday's tomorrow? And it will be tomorrow's yesterday. What Jesus is getting at is intimately that God has everything in control. I'm hoping tomorrow Jesus comes. I'm hoping he comes today. Would that be okay with all of you? Jesus to come today. As we go, my tungsten steel hips will stay here behind this pulpit. Some people will walk into this building after we go and they're going to say, what in the world happened there? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. First priority. The story is told of a baseball player during a very important game. And as he was up to bat... He waited on a pitch that he knew the relief pitcher was going to send to him because he watched him for many other games and he knew what was coming. As the pitch came, he hit it. And it went over the fence. The crowd went crazy. They had won a very valuable game. In fact, their, their season was highlighted by that game. And as the Runner rounded the bases. His, his teammates met him at home plate. When he got to home plate, the other team called for a new ball. Umpire not knowing what they wanted with it, he threw them a new ball, and the pitcher then threw it to first base. 
When the first baseman touched the bag, the runner was out. He missed touching first base. You can touch second base, you can round third base, and you can come home. But if you miss base one, you're out. Jesus was saying to his disciples and to us today, don't miss first base. Nothing else matters. But you got to touch first base. Let's pray. To you be the honor and the glory and the power and the dominion both now and forevermore. In the matchless name of Christ our Savior, I thank you. Amen.